You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 28th of April. I'm Paul Ward from our Customer Treasury Unit and I'm joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Mangan to discuss the continued volatility and uncertainty in financial markets due to COVID-19 and we'll give particular focus to the ECB who meet later this week. Ollie, we have a number of central bank policy meetings this week. We had the Bank of Japan yesterday, we've got the Federal Reserve on Wednesday, and then the focus moves to the ECB policy meeting this Thursday. Our latest weekly market brief, which is available on the Epic Centre website, is entitled The Only Show in Town, and clearly makes references to the ECB and the need to take a lead role in preventing the economic crisis becoming a debt crisis in the Eurozone. What can we expect from this meeting at the ECB on Thursday? Well, I think the ECB has been very active over the last number of weeks. At its previous meeting, it launched this new $750 billion pandemic emergency purchase program. What that effectively is, is the ECB is very active in the market, buying government bonds with the objective of keeping interest rates or the yields on bonds very, very low. We don't want a rerun of what happened 10, 12 years ago during the financial crisis when we had a very sharp increase in bond yields in peripheral European countries. We countries like Ireland being unable to fund and seeking bailouts, the same for Portugal, the same for Greece. Italy was in a very difficult situation. So on this occasion, the, the ECB and indeed other central banks have been very active in markets, buying long-term debt in size and allowing countries, you know, the budget deficits are blowing out everywhere. You know, governments are introducing measures in terms of income support schemes, helps for business, etc. And then their, their tax seats receipts are falling off. So their budget deficits are rising rapidly, so they're going to issue a lot more debt. And the key here is, as Mario Draghi pointed out, who's the former head of the ECB, in an article in the FT a number of weeks back, that government are able to issue those bonds at low interest rates. There's a lot of focus on the level of debt, but the level of debt is probably of secondary importance. It's really the cost of the debt and the interest rates attached to the debt are the critical issue. So the central bank's been in there buying aggressively has kept a lid on bond yields. So Ireland actually did a seven-year issue this month, a seven, new seven-year bond, and we hoped to raise around $4 billion. In fact, we raised $6 billion in the market through the, through the issuance, uh, but we got bids for $33 billion. We could have issued a lot more. And the key thing is the interest rate on that was just a quarter of a percent. And uh, other countries like Italy, Spain, Portugal are finding big demand at their bond auctions because we, we know the ECB will be in there afterwards buying the debt if needs be to keep a lid on the bond yields. So it's the same in the States. The Fed has been very active in the market with its bond purchase program, this quantitative easing program. And as you say, the Bank of Japan met on Sunday night and they announced an extension to the maturity of the corporate bonds they can buy. They're buying non-government paper as well, corporate bonds. So they now can buy... Uh, copper bonds up to maturity of five years and uh, previously targeted that they'll buy around 80 trillion annually of yen of government bonds they remove that limit so they'll buy any amount of japanese government bonds that they want now what we've seen in meetings i, I don't want to get too overhyped the meetings because what we're seeing is central banks are actually being nimble here and taking action between meetings so last week we saw the ecb announce that there are concerns that some of these countries and the copper bond issuers that are the, the bonds they buy that they could be lose their investment grade state that could be downgraded but the ecb has announced that it will continue to buy bonds that are downgraded that had been rated investment status coming into this crisis. So, okay, Italy escaped a downgrade last week, but let's say Italy's bonds, which are currently investment grade, if they're downgraded to so-called junk, the ECB has said, once your investment grade, when the crisis started, we'll continue to buy your bonds. 
sorry, Ollie, is there a maximum time frame on that? No, they, they've set until September of next year. Now, I think it's important to say with the ECB, and that's why we're keeping an eye on Thursday's meeting. When it launched that purchase program, that pandemic bond purchase program last month, it said it was fully prepared to increase the size of the bond purchase, adjust their composition by as much as necessary, and run the program for as long as required. So, I said, they are, they're tweaking these programs, they're expanding them as time goes by, the not necessarily waiting for meetings. I was going to say, in the, in the Fed and the States, we've seen it indicate that it will buy actually junk bonds that have lost their investment grade status. And it's also expanded into buying what's called collateral debt obligations, which are riskier assets. So all central banks are widening the criteria here and being as active as possible in markets to ensure that large corporates and particularly governments can issue debt at low interest rates to avoid this mutation into a, a debt crisis so they're very active in that regard and i think the the actions of the ecb are all the more important when we see the difficulty in europe among political leaders about a, uh, agreeing a recovery plan they can't agree on whether they should issue these, these so-called corona bonds which would be mutualized debt or effectively euro bonds some countries are against that so the ecp as i say there is the is the only show in town at the present time in terms of being actively involved in markets keeping interest rates down all the central banks have cut their interest rates actually buying government bonds in very large size and a big support to the weaker peripheral states particularly in southern europe in particular if the ECB was not that active in the in the bond market. I think we could have a European debt crisis here. We would see yields in Italy, in Spain, uh, in Greece spiral upwards. But because the ECB is so active in the market and buying such large size, it's encouraging other investors to get involved. And we, as I say, we can see that at the auctions when they come um, around every week. Uh, Holly, you mentioned there just in terms of some of the actions we've seen from the ECB, but if the focus then just on this Thursday, either in relation to a rate cut or anything in terms of liquidity measures, do you foresee anything? We see whether they signal that they could extend or increase the size of their bond purchases. Now, there has been some pressure on short-term interest rates in the eurozone. Now, they're still negative, but they're, they've moved a bit higher. Now, one way to counteract that would be a rate cut on Thursday, but I don't think the markets are expecting that. I mean, the, the official interest rates are already quite negative in the eurozone. They're minus 0.5%, but the short-term money market rates are a bit higher than that. They're about minus, maybe minus a quarter percent. So... I don't think we're going to get a major announcement. What we what we may see is the ECB and indeed the Fed that that they can and will do more if necessary. And from the ECB's point of view, that means they can cut interest rates, move them even deeper into negative territory. They can increase the size of their bond purchase programs, or as they did last week, they can change the definition or ease the criteria in terms of the type of bonds they can buy, or they can inject further liquidity into the uh, European banking system, into the European financial system. So I think it's more the message they give that we're here for the long term. We, we are supporting the bond market and governments. We'll continue to do this. And if the requirements are there, we'll do more. And I think the same message will probably come from the Fed. So I know the Bank of Japan did lose some policy further on Sunday night, but I think the general expectation for, for Thursday is more the message that they deliver than the actual actions they take. Yeah. They're taking a lot of action. They've done a lot already. And it's proving successful in terms of dampening down government bond yields. And to some extent, it may be helping stabilising the stock markets. Because stock markets have recovered over the last four weeks to six weeks. And stock markets are taking encouragement from what central banks are at in terms of supporting government debt issuance and keeping interest rates low and allowing governments to raise the finance to 
provide income supports to households, provide supports for businesses to ease the pain of the recession we're now in, but also more importantly, probably to lay the foundations for the recovery, which is expected to commence in the second half of the year. Ali, I just want to move the conversation to the PMIs. So last week we would have had flash PMIs for April for the UK, the US and the Eurozone. What was your assessment of the figures? Can I say shockingly bad, but not a surprise. I mean, what they've shown, particularly in Europe, where the lockdown is much more pronounced, both in the UK and in the Eurozone, the data effectively show that the services sector has been put in cold storage, that there's very little activity going on. I mean, these indices range between zero and 100, and anything below 50 is seen as a contraction activity. Well, the PMIs for the services sector were down around 10 or 11. So, I mean, that is just unheard of in terms of these indices. Manufacturing a bit stronger, but still very, very low readings there. And in the US, the composite index fell to 27. So it's, it's higher than Europe, but the lockdown is not as broad based across the US as it is in mainland Europe and in the UK. So we are going to get very low readings. I mean, the, the Irish figures will come with the manufacturing on Friday and we'll have our services index early next week. We can expect similar very low figures. Now, once the restrictions begin to ease, and another thing that's giving markets some encouragement is a relaxation of, of restrictions. Italy yesterday published a plan. Yeah. I mean, Italy was very badly impacted, but it's talking about manufacturing and construction reopening on May the 4th. Then shops, museums and public venues on May the 18th. Restaurants bars, hairdressers, etc. on uh, June the 1st and schools not until September. Yeah. But it's put a plan in place. So that's presuming that there isn't a re-acceleration in terms of the, the number of cases. But as the economy reopens, these indices I mean, they are very good pictures of economic activity at a particular point in time. So they are confirming that, you know, large parts of these economies are ground to a halt. But as they're slowly reopened, slowly reopened, these indices will begin to recover and pick that up as well. So as I say, shockingly bad, but not really a major surprise, given that large parts of the European economy in particular has been put into lockdown over the last month or six weeks. Can I just pose something to you then, Ali? Okay, this week we've got first readings of GDP in the US and the Eurozone. Obviously, there's some sort of correlation between, say, the PMIs and the like performance of GDP of that country. However, the PMIs, if I'm correct in saying this, they do exclude the retail sector. So does this mean that possibly, say, GDP for quarter one or quarter two could be more stark than expected? Well, first of all, the figures are coming out for quarter one, okay? So January and February were strong on most economies, so the, and the lockdowns only started to be, to be imposed during March. So they're looking at declines of maybe 1% or 2% in GDP for the opening quarter of the year. Yeah. The more pronounced declines will come in the second quarter. And yeah. the scale of that decline... Obviously, April is a write-off month in a lot of sectors, but economies are beginning to reopen, and that'll be, see better data for for May and June. But overall, we're we're looking at very very sharp declines in output in quarter two. The OECD has estimated that you know the, the output declines, given that you know very little is likely to be reopened in May. The, the output declines in quarter two could be of the order of 20-25% declines on year area levels of activity or output, which is just you know a phenomenal decline in overall economic activity. So, and even then, we're, economies recovering in the second half of the year, we see the IMF saying the advanced or developed economies could see output declines of 6% for the year as a whole. The Eurozone are saying 7.5%. 
in Ireland's case, it, it's uh, I think 6.7, 6.8 for the year as a yeah. whole. The UK is at 6.5. But the pinch point, the really severe declines would be in March and April, and that would be picked up in the quarter two figures. So to be honest with you, I don't think the markets are going to pay too much attention to the quarter one figures. Yeah. They know they'll be bad. They know there's worse figures coming for the second half, or sorry, the second quarter of the year. Yeah. I think what markets are focused on is, can these economies reopen? How much will activity rebound when they do? And in the back of their minds, there's the risk there, A, that the virus is is more persistent than people anticipate and that it'll last longer and a lot of restrictions have to remain in place. Or secondly, the ongoing risk that we do get on top of the virus over the summer, but that we get a second wave over the winter. So th- those risks are always there and worrying markets. But for now, I think... You know, the focus is on the central banks. We know yeah. the data are going to be bad. And what markets are taking encouragement from is, is what I itemized there in terms of Italy and, and, and the US as well. And the talks and you know, the expectations are in the UK in May will gradually reopen their economies as well. And we're seeing that in other countries as well in Europe, Spain, France, doing which have been very badly impacted. I think these are going to be very, I don't want to call them baby steps, these are going to be cautious. They're going to be watching the data particularly closely in terms of new cases, etc., to see whether the reopening triggers another surge in the number of viruses. So this is going to be a very cautious reopening of economies, but at least markets are focusing on that and saying we're moving to the next phase, which is trying to reopen economies. You know, The number of cases and the number of deaths seems to be peaking, and we look to China and Korea, which you know got on top of their coronavirus outbreaks early, and have largely eliminated the, the virus at this stage. So, you know, markets are hoping that Europe and the States will have similar success. But as I said, there's plenty of risk in that regard. Ali, many thanks for the update and a big thanks to our customers, colleagues and listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. And in relation to COVID-19, for those customers impacted, you can find details at AIB's support packages at www.aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. We've also recorded sector podcasts, which a number of our listeners will find very interesting, which include hotels, manufacturing and transport. And in the coming weeks, we'll have additional sector podcasts released. To stay up to date with all our latest podcasts, please subscribe to AAB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS and Android. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.